0: Greetings, Quester. The Meddlesome Meeples present Tome Talk with Richard and Matt. Welcome to this episode of Tome Talk, where Richard is going to be talking to us about Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Yep, and
1: that's not to be confused with Hyperion by Keats, which is... Quite heavily referenced in this. Right. <laughs> so it's not just that it have got the same title. So Hyperion refers to a planet mm-hmm. and it's one that's right outside of the galactic civilization. So if you imagine like Tatooine, that kind yep. of a place. So in this universe that Dan Simmons has created, it's incredibly in depth and he's obviously put a lot of thought into like how the government works and everything there. They have got what they call a world web. And that is mostly controlled by these things called farcasters, mm-hmm. which I mean we're going to be talking about Stargates a bit later. They're a little bit like that, but not
0: not quite. So we're going with the theme.
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, kind of. But with the planet Hyperion, that's not connected to this world web. If you want to get there, you have to go on a ship that uses a Hawking drive, and a you, Hawking drive. Yep, yeah, that's what they call it. And you incur- in honor of the man. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's already Hawking radiation, isn't there? Mm. That hasn't really been proved yet, so I don't know how this Hawking drive would work, but um, mm. you incur a time debt when you go. You have to go into stasis, so you have to basically spend months getting to Hyperion. And this book is about seven people who are making the journey to Hyperion to go on a pilgrimage. And it's a pilgrimage to these things called the Time Tombs, which have recently started to open on Hyperion. And there is a creature that comes from the Time Tombs called the Shrike. And that has been there for hundreds of years. It's horrible. (laughs) It is basically... I can't remember how tall I said it was. It might be like three metres tall. Um, And it looks like a metal person with four arms and spikes all over it. And, like, a lot of the time, monsters tend to, I think, have some kind of biological traits mm. that are quite scary. The Shrike seems to be based on physics. Okay. It has, like, some kind of powers over time. Mm. And I thought when I was reading it and really seeing the kind of things the Shrike could do, I was imagining it being in one of our games, oh, <laughs> really? like, <in> our cooperative <laughs> ones. And I, I just thought, well, if the Shrike was one of, the miniatures that we had we'd like set up all the game only to find out that it killed us all before we even took the box off the shelf because <laughs> <laughs> that is the kind of thing you're dealing with with this right. thing um, basically it has infinite time to be able to do things because it can have control over time and like I say it is mysterious um, they don't know where the Shrike has come from um, and the people are actually going on a pilgrimage too the time tombs to ask the shrike for something and
0: that might seem really
1: weird and it so is So basically
0: it's like a deadly killer that's giving out free advice and gifts yeah
1: yeah this is the thing so these it's people evil have been... santa
0: you brought a book about evil santa <laughs> yeah he is kind of
1: evil <laughs> santa yeah sorry kids but he is incredibly evil now the idea is because there is this church of the shrike there's lots hmm. of themes of religion in this book which i'm um, kind of Uh, going to get to when I go into the the characters in a little bit more detail but um, basically these people have been allowed to go on this pilgrimage by the Church of the Shrike Mm -hmm. which has like cathedrals on all the planets in the web because ever since humanity has kind of uh, spread out to the stars and they have all these uh, different colonies and different worlds as soon as they found the Shrike and the time tombs then a religion did form around it and that was like 400 years ago so it's very it's well it's interesting
0: that i thought that an advanced society would still look to religion
1: yeah yeah and that's the thing that's one of the themes that really does come out in this book because
0: because uh, typically when we think about science fiction we think about futuristic um races high intellect mm. religion is very rarely part of it i mean there are uh, at times where we go to like certain species in Star Trek uh, the Klingons yeah. can be quite religious in their own yeah, way can't they, can they? And, uh, or spiritual perhaps is probably the better way of defining that but you
1: don't find that so much in humans do you no the human really?
0: societies seem to have moved away I mean the Bajorans um, are probably yeah the most religious that we could think but of, but they're also like, like, yeah, they're kind of like the least advanced in a lot of ways mm. to the other species. Yeah. It's, yeah. But then it tends to be more the alien races, and okay, again, when we're thinking about Star Trek, sorry Star, Star, not Star Trek, Stargate, which we're going to be talking about in Tiny People's Big Talk.
1: Yeah, a lot of religion there. A lot of
0: religion in there, mm-hmm. typically in a very negative light, in the sense of yeah, well the key carried out because you've gods. got yeah. Because you've got the Goa'uld who are obviously impersonating mm-hmm. uh, various deities, but then you've also got some of the ones worshipped by the other races who are in- taking the role of good gods from Earth, aren't they? They're yeah. There yeah. to protect and help and guide people. So it's it's always quite interesting when you get, to me anyway when you get like this religious dynamic of a fu- within a futuristic well, species. Well, this is the
1: thing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got the fall of Hyperion here as well, and it's just um, what is it? It says, here is a superb vision of future technology and ancient religions of scientific revelation and timeless mystery. And that really, mm. I like that. I haven't read Some this one nice,
0: yet. nice expression.
1: Yeah, but that really sums up the first book mm. as well, incredibly well. Because it's
0: quite nice when you see like the future technologies merged with the beliefs of the past.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's not just religions of the past, although they are in there. Obviously, the Shrike was so baffling mm. when the humans found it that it's it's obvious that a religion would form around it. Now they they they're called the Church of the Shrike, but they don't really like to be called that. They are called the Church of the Final Atonement. And they have this well, idea that sounds nice. I know well <laughs> They sound jolly. Well they're they're worshipping like what they call the Lord of Pain. <laughs> which is why they had another name for the Shrike. They also call uh, it we're the we're into the Warhammer Avatar. territory now, are we? <laughs> yeah, and it it is that kind of scary as well. Um and so obviously there is that religion, so that's the new one, but two of the characters are quite religious as well, of the seven that are on this pilgrimage. One of them is a Catholic priest, and he has had to deal with um, his fears of the church kind of collapsing. Um, his right, church, you mean? The Catholic His church. church, the Catholic, yeah, because, obviously, like you were saying, as humankind becomes more advanced and gone to different worlds, um, religion becomes less relevant, and he's got those kind of worries, and, the, and another character is Jewish, and he hasn't been all that religious for most of his life, but he, he starts getting these visions of, well I don't want to, this, this happens near the beginning of his tale, but so it's not really a, a spoiler, but he has this vision of the Shrike mm. telling him to bring his daughter to Hyperion to offer her as a burnt offering like it's similar to abraham you Mm. know so he he starts really thinking about religion loads at at that point and that's as you would as you would that is the kind of rubbish that this shrike gets up to (laughs) it it is a a terrifying not just in a physical way but it will mess with people psychologically as well (laughs) and yeah basically it's a lot like well i know i know it's very obvious that dan simmons wrote this as being a sci-fi canterbury tales mm. basically so that on this pilgrimage and on the way they are telling their stories about how they like the reasons why they are personally going on this pilgrimage basically out of all the applicants in the galaxy they are the seven people that have been picked by the Church of the shrike to go, be able to go on this uh, this journey um they can't
0: land do they right travel next to together it. then are they or is or is it charting like separate uh, no no it's
1: when they are together I mean they meet on this first day and mm. they're like oh so we're the seven that have been picked mm. So it has to be a prime number apparently so um they are just kind of trying to decide how they're going to get along while they make this journey of a few days and they have a vote about whether or not they should tell their stories and a few of them kind of get voted out they um it ends up with them being they are going to tell the stories and then they kind of draw lots for the numbers so it ends up being Father Hoyt, um, the Catholic priest, who goes first. And his story is pretty horrifying. It is a basically a horror story. And I mean, I read this when I was quite a bit younger. Mm. And it was almost too much for me, that one. It was um, very much about... It's a very Catholic story about mm. like faith and pain. And, um,
0: and Would that you say one... that... When you say it's a very Catholic story, would you think that um, listeners who maybe aren't interested in because obviously religion's quite a divisive subject yeah you know uh some people won't be interested in religion would you say that if you were very secularly minded that you would still enjoy this book for the story that it's telling oh
1: definitely yeah because it's only two well that's the only one out of the there's supposed to be seven stories really but there ends up being only six just for circumstances so there's basically this is like six novellas mm. rather than and then they're kind of put together with into mm. one novel with a framing device so um yeah it's only one out of those yeah and it is a fascinating story that first one i'm just I'm just saying that it is um it's just the themes are very much um
0: they, they just seem very Catholic. I suppose that's to be expected, think. though. If he's writing... If one of the characters is a, a Catholic priest, that that is yeah. going to come through in his story. Yeah, that's it. it just, you know. Yeah,
1: basically just the the themes. You have to really try and think of a way to explain it without kind of mm. giving away any spoilers. But yeah. Um, yeah, and that one is actually written in the first person. Now, they do alternate. So that one's on the first person. The next one is um, General Kassad. I'm thinking about it actually he's a Muslim I think, or was one of a Muslim background, but he's not religious as well so that doesn't really come through, mm. um, not so much. His story is one of like intergalactic warfare, not intergalactic, interstellar warfare yeah. and his one is told in the third person and I think that works really well because his one's like more like an action-adventure. Mm. It's still pretty scary. <laughs> Not as bad as Father Hoyt's one, but... um, And that
0: one is brilliant. Um, And when you say Interstellar, are these characters all from Earth? Or are they from various Earth colonies, would you say?
1: Most various Earth colonies. There's only one character that can claim to be from Earth. The other characters don't really believe him. Because Mm. um, apparently Earth has been dead for hundreds of years. Okay,
0: that was probably something I should have known before we... (laughs) Well...
1: (laughs) It comes out yeah, I slightly. I haven't in... researched
0: this book at all, I'm just relying purely on, on Richard's. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> <a> point, <yeah. laughs>
1: but um I mean there's a reason why I didn't particularly mention that and that's because it's only ever kind of alluded to a little bit in the book. Right. So that's the main thing. Um yeah, they're mostly from all over the place. Um obviously during the time of the book they're all on Hyperion, mm. making this journey, but their stories go all over the galaxy. And, um, yeah, so the first one was about the priest, the second one there is um it's about the soldier, yeah, in general, and then the other ones, I don't want to just kind of list them, but one of them is like a murder mystery, uh, one of them, the story of uh Sol weintraub the um the Jewish man who's a lecturer at a university. That one is incredibly sad (laughs) and it's almost too sad that one is it's mostly about his daughter Mm. and you um, it's just that these different stories seem to be different genres Mm. so that's why I think this is such a fascinating book because if one of the stories doesn't particularly appeal to you and some of them I did find a little bit hard to get through Mm. because they are incredibly um, detailed and it's a long book And these stories are substantial Mm. and they do stick with just the one story just for a while. And then it's not like a lot of novels tend to jump around between scenes, don't they? Whereas this one, it sticks with one and then that's done. And then the next person starts telling their stories. Um...
0: Yeah, it's that, kind of it's like several different. books in one, really. And yeah, it is. Drama. So that, in a way, that's interesting because that means there's probably going to be something there for everybody.
1: There is, yeah. And it is worth getting through it all because you do learn a little bit more about the Shrike each mm. time. Because every one of them, they have a reason for going to this planet. And it's hard to imagine why anybody would go on this mm. pilgrimage because basically the mythology is the Shrike will grant one of them a... a Wish and he'll kill the others, he'll <laughs> kill all the others, okay. And um, he has apparently this metal tree that he spikes people on, and the time tombs are traveling backwards through time, so basically, it's already happened. Uh, yeah, it just hasn't happened for them yet, so it's basically their fate is already sealed. Mm. And it is, yeah, it's just incredibly interesting, but it, you're never going to really understand. What this creature is, how it does what it does, what the time tombs are, things like that. You just have to accept that. Mm. But through the stories, you do learn a little bit more about the universe that they are all in and the characters they are. I was surprised, actually, that the poet's tale, Mm. I thought that was the most interesting one. That was like an odyssey, Mm. like he led such a long life partly because he spent so long traveling around in stasis. So he like saw hundreds of years of history because when he, when he thaws out uh, loads of things have changed, but um, yeah, he le- lived an incredibly um, diverse life. I mean, sometimes he just was completely sold out and he, um, he was just writing these trashy novels <laughs> and, like, it, and he had this really amazing house that had loads of farcasters. casters. Um, so he had like this 38 room house and mm. each, each room was on a different planet. it was basically you could go between portals to the different rooms. I thought thought that was an amazing idea. (laughs) I I love the idea of that. I am looking forward to reading The Fall of Hyperion, which I have here. Um, I think this picture on the front might be the Shrike. There was a very spiky head on there. And, um, yeah, the way this one went, it was mostly the pilgrimage. And I'll just be interested to see where this um, picks up. I think there is a third one. That might be called Endymion. Still heavily Keats... Um, influence. So on on the planet Hyperion, the, the main city there is called Keats mm. because um, there was a colony of artists that all went there. And um, yeah, it's um, oh, there's so much to talk about this book, but mostly just just an, as an overview, it's told in several different voices because it's from several different characters' points of view. It's about a very conf- comprehensible and well thought out. Uh, galactic system and galactic government. Um, the characters are interesting and uh, very uh, diverse. They don't get on with each other very well like on their pilgrimage, which yep. is only to be
0: expected. Well, they know that the others are all going to die, possibly. Yeah. They're, they're hoping to be the one that survives and everyone else dies. So Yeah, that's it. That's w- not going to make for good relationships, is it? Yeah, not
1: really. <laughs> with it being told in so many different voices, I think he's done a real good job of... Um, making the characters a bit more three-dimensional mm. because it's not just that there's mainly one main character and then the other characters are kind of seen through that person's eyes. So it's going to
0: kind of make you care about all these characters. And... Yeah,
1: yeah. And it mm. is amazing once you've read the, the tale of a few of them, when it gets to kind of between tales later on, and you hear that character kind of make a comment about somebody else's tale and stuff. Mm. You feel like you really know that character really mm. well. And it's interesting to see how they react to each one. Like like they thought their tale was harrowing. And then they hear the tale of another person. And like <laughs> come out in sympathy <laughs> to them. Because <laughs> of what's been done to them as well. So yeah, I think this is an incredibly interesting book. Um, just for many different reasons. Uh, which I, I hope I've managed to um, explain all of them i'm going to yeah i'm going to be interested to read the fall of hyperion obviously that is also an epic it seems i mean that one very th- like i say i think there's endymion as well so we're looking forward to going through that um but I think next I'll probably read something a little bit lighter. <laughs>
0: We've well, gone through quite a lot of dystopian novels and a lot of quite actually. tragic novels lately. Yeah. I think I, I express this on behalf of myself and, of course, all of our viewers and listeners. Mm-hmm. We are worried about you. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been getting emails.
1: Well, it's difficult to. Yeah. Difficult is to Richard find, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's what
0: people want to know. Mm. Is Richard okay? Well, the
1: thing is. It's nice to know that we don't have to live in these worlds. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate what you have a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, my next one, I'm not sure if it's dystopian or not. It's um I've got one by Philip K. Dick, which I haven't read before. Um I've read his um Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, mm-hmm. which obviously is Blade Runner. But um I haven't read this particular one which is called Counterclock World. Yeah. And I thought that just seemed like an interesting idea. I think it's about different realities. So, um, yeah, that's very much like the Ursula Le Guin one that I read before and I really enjoyed. Lathe of Heaven. Yeah, Lathe of Heaven. That wasn't too dystopian. I mean, that that no. was about, about dreams and things. So, yeah, hopefully not quite as depressing next time. But, you know, um, it's just... A lot of these stories are going to sound like that. I mean, you're one about the Aztec Empire as well. I mean, that's not exactly, <laughs> I'm not exactly um, optimistic. So, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see I mean, where you're coming interesting from Interesting stories uh, yeah. generally are set in pretty terrible uniforms. I mean, look at Star Wars
0: with the Empire and <laughs> things like that. You know. True, <laughs> true. Um, so there we are. So uh, I'll be talking about a book on our next episode of Tome Talk. you know what it is yet. I don't know what it is yet. And then okay. Richard will be back with his dick book.
1: Why do you have to do it? <laughs> yeah, I'll be back talking about Counterclock World in a month. By Philip or Dick. By Philip K. Dick, yeah. yeah.
0: What does the K stand for? I don't know.
1: It's no. always just been a middle initial. It just A lot of uh, sci-fi writers will have a middle initial. I just think it's interesting that Ian Banks, when he writes... Uh, when he writes sci-fi he has to have an M in the middle of his name yeah, no, <laughs> then M- the rest M- of the time he doesn't say. So, yeah.
0: Richard approves what about you? farewell Questa to find out about other productions by the Middlesome Meeples then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at middlesomeeples.com until next time Questa farewell and keep thine axe sharp